0: Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Wesley Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, filling in for Pastor Dave, let's join Pastor Justin. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can turn with me to the book of Acts. Chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is what the Word of God says. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up to heaven, and he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days. And speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God, gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait uh, for what the Father had promised, which he said, you have heard from me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we uh, study your word, God, I pray that you would help uh, the speaker to get out of the way, that your words would come through and they would touch hearts and lives for you. We love you, praise you, in your name. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, welcome back. Uh, it is not very often that I get two straight weeks uh, to talk to you, uh, and I'm glad it's a vacation this time that, uh, that allows me to be up here with you, and, uh, and I apologize in advance if you're already bored with me. Don't worry, you only got about 45 more minutes. All right, I was just seeing how much leeway I had there. Um, I do want to let you know, uh, for those of you uh, who uh, were here with us last week, we began Uh, Our series talking about the next 40 days. You see, uh, we just came off of Easter. Easter is always very exciting. And we said, well, where do we go from here? Well, let's just follow Jesus. What did Jesus do? And Jesus hung around on earth for 40 days after his resurrection. Now, this is, uh, I kind of made a funny joke and some people laughed. I said, you know, you're having a party and, and it's over. It's completed. The job is done. And then there's still people in your living room that ever happened to you last night. last night? Okay, very good. Uh, where you say, "Hey, everybody, everybody's still here. I want to go to bed," and they're like, "Hey, we're just hanging out," you know, something like that. Well, you see, Jesus's task was completed. He had defeated death, uh, even death on a cross. He resurrected. Uh, he was done. But he wanted to hang around a little longer. So he hung around for 40 more days. And so we talked last week uh, about why he did that. And we talked about the first three things that he did. uh, And and that was a great time. If you weren't here, go back on YouTube, check out the podcast, watch it. It's good. It's good. Uh, If I do say so myself, it's pretty good. Uh, So go check that out, but uh, this week I had an interesting opportunity, it's been kind of a crazy week for me, I was out of the office for the first two days, Monday and Tuesday, as I was attending uh, something called Youth Pastors Summit, Uh, it's a training conference for youth pastors in Orlando, it's put on by uh, a group called Student Leadership University, they do great work and they present it absolutely free, which is why I could afford it, and uh, we went over there we had a great time. Uh, and then I learned a lot there. So I learned some things that I'm really excited to, uh, to implement here and to do here. Uh, but one thing I learned that I just had to share with you. It was so cool. Uh, it was an example. I need everyone to do this with me, okay? And trust me, just do it. You won't look silly. Or you might, but that's up to you. Um, take, take your right hand. Everybody take your right hand. Put it out to your side. Don't hit somebody next to you in the face. Okay. All right. Take your thumb and, and your uh, pointer finger and touch them together. Kind of like making the AOK okay sign, right? Okay. And then very slowly, I want you to move that toward your face. Very slowly. Some of you are speed racers. I said very slowly. All right. And then as you get closer, I want you to concentrate on putting that right on your chin. Right on your chin. Okay. Now listen. Everybody look around. Look around. This just proves one thing. For a lot of people, it's not what you say. It's what you do. Right? I said chin, I was up here, and I'm looking around, and everyone's like, this isn't my chin. What am I doing? But you see, in life, and you can go ahead and put those hands down. Thanks for embarrassing yourselves for me. Um, You see, in life, it's a lot more important what you do than what you say. People are going to follow what you do more than what you say. And I was one of the 2,000 youth pastors in that room, and this guy's giving this example, and I'm doing this the whole time, but that's not my chin. I looked at the guy next to me, this this isn't our chin, he must have misspoke, he must have meant cheek, and then he got me, he got me good. But it's not what we do, it's it's not what we say, it's what we do, and actions speak louder than words. And that's why I think studying these next 40 days of Jesus' life, we see action. We don't get a lot of great speeches from Jesus in the last 40 days, he does a lot of preaching uh, before, but in the last 40 days, he's all about doing, he's all about action. Uh, And I hope that you will see that with me today. I hope you'll stick with me. Uh, First, let's do a little bit of a recap of last week. Uh, We know that Jesus stayed for 40 days. There were six big events uh, that are captured in those 40 days in Scripture. And we talked about the first three uh, last week. Uh, Remember, the very first one, He appeared to Mary and Mary outside the tomb. Uh, That's Magdalene, mother of James. He appeared to them outside of the tomb. We also know that He walked and taught. Uh, with Cleopas and the Cleopas's companion on the road to Emmaus, uh, then had dinner over there, uh, and we also know he appeared to ten of the disciples uh, and showed them his scars and wounds. Okay, if you remember that, do this. If you don't remember that, do this. Uh, if, if you weren't here, do this. And that's your punishment, right there. It's harder to do. Uh, So here's, through those three events, we learn some applications, okay? Uh, Honor those who helped you on your journey. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene first of anyone after his resurrection. And he does that, I believe, to honor her faithfulness. Uh, She was faithful to the ministry. She believed when others were doubting. Uh, He honored her uh, through that appearance. So honor those who helped you on your journey. Uh, next, continue to use your skills for Christ even after you finish your race. You see, Christ was done for all intents and purposes. He came and accomplished what he meant to do, yet he couldn't resist the urge to continue teaching when an opportunity came along. So those of you who have co- accomplished something, continue teaching, continue sharing uh, along your journey. And last, uh, lastly, we see here, share your experiences to help others understand and grow. This isn't knowledge. Experience is different from knowledge. It's knowledge gained through hard work, sweat, determination, and sometimes blood. It's a more valuable form of knowledge. Share those experiences with others. Uh, Christ showed it up to the disciples, and he stood in their presence, and he said, "These are my scars. This is what I have been through. And by going through this, I want you to understand where we're headed." He helped them complete the circle by showing him, uh, by showing them. Those scars. And so those were the first three uh, events that we get to. Uh, so today we're going to tackle the next three because that's how series work. Uh, and so <laughs> uh, event number four, Jesus appears to Thomas. Okay. Now this is eight days after Jesus appears to the disciples and Thomas still hasn't uh, seen Jesus. He's like just that, <laughs> that one unlucky guy who always misses the cool thing that happens. Uh, does anybody have anybody like this in your life or, or a fun story, you know? Um, I'm going to tell, tell on myself a story here. My wife's not in here, so you have to promise not to tell her, okay? Um, or do. It's fine. It's water under the bridge. I was 13 years old, and me and my good friend Michael, we were at Universal Studios. Uh, Universal Studios is a great theme park. Uh, nobody cares. Okay, very good. Uh, and uh, we were there, and it was for an event called Rock the Universe. Uh, it's a Christian concert night at Universal Studios, and we were in line to ride the Back to the Future ride, okay? Uh, so it was me my friend Michael and my good friend Danny, okay, who may or may not be in this room right now. And, uh, and me and my good friend Michael, being 13-year-old boys, waiting in a long line with nothing to do, we did every favorite boy's pastime. We tried to look at pretty girls, right? Is you know, so we're trying to look around and see pretty girls. And, and so uh, at one point, I nudged my friend Michael. And I say, Michael, 3 o'clock. I'm giving him the heads up here. 3 o'clock. You know, check that out. And uh, my good friend Danny pipes up. Says, 3 o'clock? It's only 1230. Yeah. Loud enough for their big muscular boyfriends to look over at us. <laughs> Hi. Um, right? So um, just that the one friend that just didn't quite get it at that moment. Um, uh, but, but Thomas is that guy. He just kind of missed Jesus. And, and Thomas is struggling. Thomas is struggling with how to believe in something that he didn't see. Does anybody else relate to that struggle? How to believe in something you didn't see. Uh, it, it's a struggle that's, of course, just so ingrained in us that, that we look for evidence. We gather evidence. Can I touch it? Can I feel it? Can I taste it? Can I smell it? Can I see it? Sometimes we rely on sight over all the other senses. Those are what's called optical illusions, right? Right? We think we see something, well, we can't taste it, smell it, hear it, or anything else, but I saw it. You know, things like that, optical illusion. So so sight is so important to us. And Thomas was struggling, and how is he going to believe that this happened if he can't see it? It's a great question. Some of you are struggling with that. Some of you this morning say, this whole Jesus thing sounds great, but come on. Like, I have to believe that? I can't see it. Maybe if I saw it, I'd believe it. It's kind of what Thomas was thinking. But here's what I want you to know. Jesus loved Thomas and had built a relationship with Thomas, and he was around, and he loved Thomas so much that he said, you know what? I'm going to show up for you, Thomas. I'm going to show up for you, Thomas, and I'm going to give you a lesson based on how this happened. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John, chapter 21. John chapter 21, verses 26 through 29, tells the story of Jesus' meeting with Thomas. John chapter 20, 26 through 29. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands. And reach here, your hand, and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Now listen, it's... um, we all can relate to Thomas, and we kind of feel bad for Thomas in this story. Thomas gets a nickname in Scripture. His nickname is Doubting Thomas, right? Thomas did a lot of great work for the gospel. Thomas was an ambassador for Christ throughout his life. And yet, because for an eight day period he was unsure, he gets this label Doubting Thomas. I don't think many of us would like to get a label for the rest of our lives based on eight bad days, right? I'll let you share with your neighbor what your nickname would be. I don't need to hear all of them. But uh, we don't think that that's that's appropriate. But yet we label Thomas with his nickname, Doubting. And here's what Jesus did. And here's why I think it's so incredible. Jesus knew... There was this guy he loved and cared about, he spent a lot of time with, that he knew could be an amazing ambassador for the gospel. And so he doesn't just say, well, if you don't believe me, forget it. He shows up, and he allows Thomas to inspect his wounds. And he does. That's grace there by Jesus. didn't have to do that. He could have said, well, Thomas, if you can't believe, then... Sorry, bro. But no, he didn't. Jesus probably didn't say, sorry, bro, either. But uh, he didn't do that. No, he said, he said, here I am, feel, touch, you know, see. But then he gets to a point afterward. He cared enough about Thomas to, to show up and allow him to touch the scars. But then he gets to the point in afterwards. He says, now that you see, do you believe? And Thomas called him my Lord and my God. So basically said, yeah, I get it. He says, so blessed are those who believe without seeing. And guess who that is? That's us. That's the rest of us. We are blessed if we believe and do not see. That doesn't mean that Thomas wasn't blessed. It doesn't mean that Thomas isn't in heaven right now with Christ. He is. It just means that through that example, Thomas was not left behind by Christ. And Christ gave a special blessing for those who aren't going to get that same chance that Thomas got. You know, so the key takeaway here is that Jesus refused to let Thomas be left behind. He refused to let it happen. Here's the, here's the key application for you in your life. Do not leave any unresolved conflict in your life. Don't do it. Can you imagine what the scene would have been like if there were ten disciples? One of them who betrayed him and one of them who doesn't believe in him anymore. That's a problem. That's a problem for a new and growing congregation, a new and growing movement. And Jesus knew that could have been a difficulty. And instead of leaving something unresolved, he showed up and he resolved the issue. In our lives, we tend to leave things unresolved if they're difficult to deal with. Things that are difficult to deal with get put a little bit out of reach on the desk, right? I'm guilty of this. If you come into my desk, first of all, if you can see it, if there's not a lot of junk on it, I'll get little messages, right? People will leave a phone call and have a message. The ones that I don't mind calling, I put right there on the front next to my computer. The ones that I'm like, oh, man. I put uh, way over there, right? So they don't have to think about it all the time. And if you're wondering, no. All of you, you're right in the front. Don't worry. All of you. Yes. Uh, but, but we do that, right? We tend to put off the difficult things. Jesus said, I'm not going to put off this difficult conflict. I'm going to deal with it. So leave no conflict unresolved. That's the key application. Event number five. Jesus appears on the beach and cooks his friends breakfast. That's pretty sweet. Uh, The book is John 21. Uh, This is not going to be on the screen. I didn't get it up there in time, but let me read it to you. Specifically, verses 12 through 14. The whole story is in John 21, 1 through uh, 23. But I want to read you 12 through 14 real quick. It says, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples ventured to question him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and the fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus was manifested to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, this is one of those sort of casual appearances, right? He appears in the upper room, Uh, he shows them the scars, and everyone's like, oh man. And then he appears with Thomas, he shows the scars again, he says, uh, better to, uh, or blessed are those who believe without seeing like oh, okay we're learning some great lesson here's the great lesson they learned on the beach are you ready there wasn't a bible study right there wasn't a sermon what he learned on the beach is that relationships are important relationships are critical in our lives you see jesus showed up to have breakfast with his friends he gave him some tips on catching fish right he ended up forgiving peter for denying him and ordaining Peter as the one who's going to lead the church. But there's no great, you know, speech, no great Bible study. They're not uh, looking through Scripture together. Here's something I need you to know. As a church, we are to create disciples. And disciples are followers of Christ who grow in Him, right? And so that happens through evangelism. That happens through Bible study. It also happens through worship, it also happens through fellowship. Not everything we do together do we have to crack the Bible. Now listen, some of you need to hear the opposite. Not everything you do together needs to not have a Bible there. I love, uh, I love this story. and uh, There's a guy named Mark Driscoll, and he has a little bit of controversy surrounding him. He was a pastor of a big church called Mars Hill. He's no longer there. He was teaching about Sabbath. Right? And he said, so everyone needs to know this. For those of you who are working too much, you, you need to rest, you need to hear that you need to make one day a day of rest. You must hear that. And he said, for all of you out there who are just shaking your head up and down, amen, I'm here to tell you something. You are resting six days a week and only working one. You need to work five more days. All right? There's, a, there's an overload and there's an underload here. What I'm saying is if we overload... And we don't have time to build relationships, we're doing it wrong. But if we underload the Bible study, we're doing it wrong just as much. You have to understand that there is a balance here. If your idea of coming to church doesn't include carrying your Bible or having the app, I have to question how you're doing church. If your idea of getting together in a small group has nothing to do with Scripture, maybe you're struggling in small group. But there are times for fellowship where we're just relationship building. Jesus here on the beach having breakfast was relationship building. He loved these guys. These were his friends. These were his, uh, you know, compatriots. He loved them so much that before he left to go to heaven, to be with his heavenly father in paradise, he just wanted to spend some time with them. Uh, That's amazing to me that, that Jesus just wanted to spend some time with his friends. So here's the uh, key takeaway from event number five, the breakfast on the beach. Your key takeaway here is Jesus valued personal relationships. He valued personal relationships. Um, The key application is this. Take time to cultivate and invest in friendships. And some of you need to take time and cultivate in family relationships as well. But specifically friendships. This goes back to what we were talking about with Thomas. If you have a friendship and there's a difficulty between you invest in it, don't run away from it. The people who are alongside you as friends that choose to be alongside you are an invaluable resource to you. Christ knew that these men would go on to build the church to do the work that he had called them to do, but they also hung around with him they laughed at his jokes, he laughed at their jokes you know, they walked together, they worked together they shared each other's burden if you're trying to do this alone you're going to fail you need friends, cultivate those relationships um And next, and and lastly, as we wrap up here, the event number six, Jesus prepares the way for the Holy Spirit. Uh, Turn over, most of your Bibles, it's going to be one page, over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. And uh, actually, this won't be up there either, I apologize. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, says, So when they had come together, they were asking Him, saying, Lord is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also, they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. So this is the end. Of Jesus' time here on earth. And he takes off and he goes home. He's going home to heaven. But he's not leaving his friends alone. Uh, He says that they're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Let me ask you a question. This is a deep theological question. Alright, so some of you are like, I have no idea. It's okay. Guess. It's fine. Is the Holy Spirit showing up at Pentecost the first example of the Holy Spirit we have in Scripture? If you think yes, this. If you think no, this. If you have no idea, do this. Some of you just don't want to do that. That's fine. No, it's not. No, it's not. The Holy Spirit uh, exists and has existed since the beginning of time, just like Jesus has existed since the beginning of time, just like God the Father has existed since the beginning of time. But Jesus is taking off. And he says, you know what? I know you're going to need help. I know you're not going to be able to do this on your own. I'm going to leave you with help here in the form of the Holy Spirit. But more also, al- importantly, along with that, you are ready. He commissions them to go out and do the work that he has called them to do. Get this. Get this, we're not gonna be around forever. We're not. All right? We're all getting older, especially me. I'm gonna be 30 this year. Right? Right? You're looking at me saying, I don't know how much longer he's got. Let's be honest. We're all getting older, okay? We're not gonna be around forever. But here's something I do know. Here's something I do know. Uh, our replacements are coming behind us. You know, I see them all the time, and I work with them, kids and students. They're, they're coming behind us. They're going to be here soon. You know, they're rapidly approaching. And guess what? If we leave them without leadership ability to take over and lead the church into the next millennia, we are doing a disservice to our God, and to the church itself. We have to raise up leaders. We need our gener- not just your generation, not just my generation. Forget about my generation, all right? We, we've almost missed my generation. We almost need to focus on the one after me. We need to find young people, share Christ with them, build them up, and allow them to lead the church going forward. We need that. Listen, listen, I do youth ministry because I firmly believe it's the most important ministry in the church. I do not want to discount any of you. I love all of you. I value you. I think you're wonderful human beings and wonderful believers. But I tell you this, you, me, we're all going to be gone. The church is still going to be facing crisis. The church is still going to have to reach millions and billions of people with the message of Jesus Christ. And if we don't do a good job of preparing those who come behind us, we are failing ourselves and our creator. There's no other way of looking at this. Jesus, his ministry reached thousands. He prepared for leadership 11. Think about that. His ministry reached thousands. He was preaching to thousands of people. You have to understand that Jesus was not an unpopular preacher. I compared him to Justin Bieber a month ago, and I'm still asking for forgiveness. But, but he was a popular, popular figure, right? I mean, he was. People came from all over to hear this guy speak, and he touched their hearts. And he touched their lives. Jesus was an incredible preacher, all right? Better than me, better than Dave, better than Billy Graham, Okay? Not much better than Billy Graham, but he was really, really good. And he touched thousands. But we know for sure that he cultivated 11 leaders right amongst him. I'm not saying that every single kid we churn out of our youth group or our kids club has to be the next Billy Graham. I'm not saying that. We want them to love Christ. We want them to follow him. We want them to give their lives to him and lead godly lives. But they're not all going to be Billy Graham. They're not all going to be pastors and missionaries and Sunday school teachers. And we don't need them to be. But we have to, have to invest in this generation. Because somewhere in there, somewhere amongst the wildness, the craziness, the broken windows that are going to come, I apologize in advance. You know, the broken light fixtures, all that kind of good stuff. Somewhere amongst all those hooligans are leaders of the church for the next generation. Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that if he just did what he had to do alone and left, it was going to crumble. He had to put it in good hands. He left them a leader in the Holy Spirit, and he left them leadership tools. And they built the church. They built the church. We got to invest in our young people. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have no other choice. And here's something that's exciting. Here's something that I find amazing. I'm going to be long gone here in 95 more years. Now I'm going to be optimistic now. You know, medicine's getting better. Um, but I'm going I'm, I'm to be gone. But one of the great joys that I have, and I've been able to have, is when I go and, and see students who I've had before and, and I meet with them, and maybe it's on their wedding day. You know, maybe, maybe it's they just had a baby and they're celebrating. Sometimes it's not good circumstances. Sometimes it's at a parent's funeral. Sometimes it's in the hospital. But when I go meet with them, and they tell me about their lives. And they tell me about how, you know, they, they were looking for a godly marriage. And how they, they want to raise their kids up in a manner that honors God. And they tell me they remember those things we did in youth group and how it prepared them for life. When, when I feel that, when I hear that, even as a 29-year-old guy, when I hear that, is such a blessing to my heart. And it lets me know that even when I'm gone... Part of what I helped communicate is going to live on. We want to leave a legacy. That should be our legacy. This is a pretty building. This building has nothing to do with our legacy. Some pretty property. It's got nothing to do with our legacy. We could leave a huge bank account and skyscrapers, and it would have nothing to do with our legacy. Our legacy is that next generation. We've got to invest in them, we've got to bring up leaders. And Christ knew that. And so today, this morning, as we we begin to wrap up here, I encourage all of you to remember these three applications. Do not leave any conflict unresolved. As difficult as it may be, work it out. Do the work that heals that relationship. Take time to cultivate and invest in friendships, they're important. They're not a luxury, they're a necessity. You need your friends. And number three, leave a legacy of leaders by investing in the next generation. Do something that will further the kingdom of God through the next generation. I want to take a moment right now and just say thank you. Because in a lot of ways, you're doing this. You're doing that last one. Um, You know, when I... I've got a couple i 've got a minute and a half left. Bear with me. Uh, when I first got here uh, three years ago, you know we, we, had, uh, we had a couple of kids, and then I showed up, and they promptly left uh, that 's not a joke that for real happened um, i don 't know maybe i didn 't brush my teeth well that day, but um, and, and I got here and, and it was a challenge, and it was presented to me as a challenge, and people told me it was a challenge and and I think even in the meeting where I signed the papers, somebody said, are you ready for this challenge? And I just got tired of the word challenge. I don't like the word challenge or problem. I like the word opportunity. And I, I said, okay, there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity because these people love Jesus. And if you love Jesus and you love other people, you're halfway home, I think. And in the years to come, we've had some cool things happen. We've taken kids to camp. You know, last year we had uh, 13 salvation decisions, praise God, of kids giving their lives to Christ. We had, we dunked them in baptism. That was a lot of fun. And um, we had kids come to VBS. We had a, a huge VBS last year. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for letting me, the guy who talks to the kiddos, who teaches the students, thank you for letting me have the opportunity to come and stand in this honored position and share with you. It means a lot to me that you would trust me with that responsibility. And thank you for loving our students. Thank you for loving our kids. Thank you for when you see them, patting them on the back and telling them you are doing a great job. Thank you for investing in them to go to camp and learn more about Christ and give their lives. Thank you for loving our families. I appreciate it so much. Please continue to support us. We're going to do as much as we can to make you proud of us. I promise you we are. But we can't do it without you, and we desperately need you. And I'm just so appreciative for everything you've helped us with. It's, I am so optimistic about the future, it's not even funny. I am such a natural pessimist. You guys don't even know. I am, I am a pessimist beyond pessimist. It, I, I sit with Dave in his office, and he's like, oh, it's such a beautiful day. And I'm like, it's terrible. It's, I'm bad. I, I, look at, I look at the glass. It's not half full. It's almost gone. That's just how I am. And and I can't but help and look at where God is leading us and being so excited. Amen. So excited. Amen. Hang in there with us. We're going good places. God is leading, we're following. We're in a great position. It's such a cool time to be here, you guys. You don't even know. It's such a cool time. To see what God is about to do here. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to preach your word. God, to, to bring it to your people. And, and God, I thank you for all the many blessings you have given us here at Trinity. Lord, you are just pouring out on us in so many ways. Lord, we are undeserving, but we are so, so grateful. God, I thank you for a congregation that loves you, that loves families. God, that understands that we need to raise up a generation of leaders. God, I pray for that generation. I pray for those young people, some that aren't even old enough to understand what we're talking about right now, God, but I pray that you begin working in their lives to raise up leaders who will be strong, who will follow you, and who will lead the generations after them like we've had so tremendous leaders in our lives. God, we love you We praise you in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at TrinityChurchNow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.